please be advised, this episode may include depictions of murder, sexual content, and foul language that is not suitable for children. Parental discretion is advised. Welcome back to Wickedness. I'm Lenny. And I'm Matt. And did you guys have a good week? Because we did. Yeah, we did. It's what? been chill. It's been chill. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, you know what? Last week was, a, it wasn't a horrible week. It wasn't a great week. It was a taxing week. Yes, it was very busy. It was for both of us at work. Mm-hmm. But it still wasn't a bad week. It was, it was, it was good. Yes. Just. Busy, busy, busy. But, but hey, yeah, we, we had ahead. we had lots of good weather going on, lots of wind, Oklahoma <laughs> wind. Yes, Oklahoma wind. Non-stop. It's the best. Mm-hmm. So I I saw a meme the other day that said I didn't know I lived in Chicago, the windy city. Yes, but we don't. We don't. We live here in Oklahoma, <laughs> where the wind blows through the plains, yep. as they say. Right? Isn't that a song? Yeah. Uh, it's, it's it's the Oklahoma theme song. Oh, that's right. Shut up. Is that it? Shut up. You know it is. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. No. It's been getting warmer though. Springtime fun. And it's storm season. Mm-hmm. We had a, a a small storm come through on Saturday. It was it was just good enough to give a little bit of hail in some areas, lots of high wind. Some rain and some tornadoes, mm-hmm. but not here, not in Norman. Yeah, nothing in the tornadoes. I don't think were they weren't crazy. No, they didn't nothing get huge. Too bad, which is good. and they were only like the ones that did touch down were only touched down for a minute or so mm-hmm. and didn't do much damage. Yeah, so yeah, so it wasn't it wasn't too bad, but no, not, I, I mean if you want to think in terms of tornadoes, if you're gonna have tornadoes, that's the kind you want. I mean, oh, if you have to have. Them. Oh yeah. Not like Twister, the movie, tornadoes. <laughs> no, no, not like the EF, like the F fives that have hit mm-hmm. in Oklahoma many, many times. Yeah. Like we don't need that. We kind don't of need crap. that. Yeah, somebody else can take that. Mm-hmm. So that was nice, but you know what? In honor of this crazy ass Oklahoma weather and tornado season, I decided to to do a little story. And take a break from the murders. Oh, really? A yeah, little gonna, story. Gonna I like a, story time. Yeah, we're going to do a mystery. A mystery? I like mysteries <laughs> and story time. You know, because we are and the unknown. Should I sit Indian style? <laughs> mm-hmm. And you should be like, um, no. <laughs> no. I can remember just like a little kid, right, in class when you're little and you're, everybody's sitting Indian style around the, the teacher. Yeah. Listening <laughs> yeah. to the story. Crisscross applesauce. With, with their heads all up. 
Because <laughs> it's such a good story. It's such a good story. You're probably listening to like Ramona Quimby. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. No, this story is uh, the story of Joan Gay Croft. So Ooh. that's who we're going to talk about today. Not related to Laura Croft, though, right? No. From Tomb Raider? <laughs> no, I didn't even think about that. Because if she was, she may have survived this. Maybe she is Laura Croft. Ooh, good oh, twist. Right? Well, we'll tell you about that twist later. You'll, <laughs> underst- you'll understand what we're talking about here in a little bit. Okay, go ahead. Go yeah, do well, your thing, babe. Well, before we, we do, though, let's let's talk tornadoes because it plays a huge role in, oh, okay. in Joan Gay's sure. disappearance. So, okay. And if you're wondering, she's not the real-life Dorothy Gale, or at least I don't think so. Yeah. You know, as far as I know, she's not Miranda Vaz. Mm-hmm. So. Okay. So Oklahoma is in the middle of Tornado Alley, and during the spring, we can have, we can go from gorgeous 80-degree weather that day to turn into a nightmare, like in a matter of minutes. Like right. the storms just develop, and bam, out of nowhere. And growing up here, I remember that I'd be wearing shorts, tank tops, flip-flops, hair would be up, hanging outside, enjoying the sunshine, and suddenly the cloud shows up, it gets dark. Temperature drops and it's pouring and you're under a tornado watch that turns to a warning and then you're taking shelter. Like it yeah. happens that fast. Yeah. You're hearing sirens going off. Yeah. Yeah. And and when I was a kid, we had Gary England, who was so good at his job and everyone in the state, like even still today, knows his name, even though he's retired. I remember Gary England. Yeah. Really. Yeah. And you were in Texas. But he didn't. Yeah. He well, went, even coming when I come into the Air Force and being the first base stationed at oh, was in Oklahoma, I remember him. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that, so if you heard him tell you to take shelter now, though, you got yourself into a shelter. Like he wasn't the kind of weatherman who was like, well, we think there might be rotation or we think this might be happening. No, he knew. Mm-hmm. And you listened. Yeah. Um, and there have been monster tornadoes that have hit this area so many times. Like in May of 1999 and, and in May of 2013, an F5 demolished parts of Moore, Oklahoma, which is only a few minutes from Norman, where we live. And then El Reno also had a massive F5 tornado blow through also in May 2013. And El Reno isn't far from Moore. And it was so big and so strong that it actually holds the world record tornado to date so i don't want to see one bigger Mm-mm. so i just i kind of hope that they continue to hold that record right you can keep it you can keep it yeah, there's it's some things good. that you try to go for and i don't think this is one of yeah, them yeah. you know <laughs> i love a good thunderstorm but i do not like hell and tornadoes no they i mean, they I mean just, who does right if you do like them kind of yeah. some kind of crazy right but tornadoes have always been something that if you live in oklahoma you have to expect it the West Coast has earthquakes, the East Coast has hurricanes, and the center, center states have tornadoes. That's kind of just how it works out. I mean, that's not mm-hmm. to say that earthquakes, hurricanes, tornadoes only happen in those areas, but that's the general breakdown. When you think earthquakes, my first thought is California and Alaska. Right. Um, but Oklahoma has them mm-hmm. occasionally. Oh, yeah. We have actually, they say hundreds. They're just so small. That we barely we feel them. We just don't yeah. even really feel it. Yeah. But when you, you know, when we lived in Washington state, they had a small tornado that touched down in Puyallup. So, I mean, it can happen anywhere, but Tornado Alley Mm -hmm. consists of Texas, Oklahoma, Kansas, Nebraska, Missouri, Iowa, and South Dakota. And this is where most tornadic activity happens. And Oklahoma's storm season usually runs from April to June. 
with it varying slightly every year depending on the weather. But between April and June, you have to be weather aware, and, and that's been true for forever. Yes. So in light of this, and knowing that F5 tornadoes have this, are the strongest tornadoes recorded, that's what happened one spring day that's linked to this disappearance of a little girl. And it's now one of Oklahoma's biggest mysteries. It's even ended up on an episode of Unsolved Mysteries, which I think is kind of cool. Yeah. So let's talk about Joan Gay Crockett. She was born and raised in Woodward, Oklahoma. Her family was one of the prominent families in Woodward, not wealthy, but also not poor by any means. Her father, Owen, was a successful sheep rancher. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. What even was that? I don't know. I just... (laughs) Were you trying to bat? I just felt that. <laughs> yes, I feel better now. I'm glad you got that out of your system. <laughs> not trying to be bashful. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, I'm done. All right. So, anyway, he was a sheep farm or sheep rancher, and he was able to provide a comfortable life for his family. Her mom, Cleta, worked as a telephone operator in the evenings. Olin and his wife, Cleta, were raising Jerry, who was seven years old, when Joan Gay went missing. She was Olin's daughter from a previous marriage. And then they had a daughter together, Joan Gay, who was around four when she disappeared. Okay. So on April 9th, 1947, an F5 tornado demolished the town of Woodward, Oklahoma. The tornado was almost two miles wide, and it hit around 8.45 p.m. The wind speeds were estimated to be between 220 and 440 Jeez. miles per hour. Yeah. And it was only on the ground for five minutes, but it caused major damage. More than 1,000 people were injured and 185 people were killed. Wow. On this night, Joan Gay was home with her family when the tornado hit. Her mom would have been at work during this time normally, but at this time... The telephone operators were on strike, which disconnected the telephone access to the entire town. And it's thought to have been the reason why no one knew about the storm that was heading for them. Because, you know, this is 1947. It's not like they have TVs and satellites Mm -hmm. and all the contraptions, the technology that we have nowadays to warn us about it. They didn't have sirens and stuff back then. So they were essentially cut off from all outside communication at that time. And the strike meant that city officials didn't receive advance warning about the weather that was coming towards them. And so they in turn couldn't notify the residents in the area to take shelter. So a lot of people died. Mm. So the tornado touched down, stayed on the ground for the five minutes. And one of the homes that was completely demolished was the Croft family home with everyone inside it. And I'll post pictures on our website. It, I mean, this thing is just a pile of ruins, a yeah. pile of wood. Yeah. Pick up sticks. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So after the tornado, a neighbor went to the Croft home and started digging through the rubble that was left behind. He found the family buried under the rubble. Odin was, or Olin, was severely injured and taken to the hospital immediately. Cleta died in the home when a wall fell on her, which is really sad. Yeah. Jerry had minor injuries from flying debris, and Joan Gay had a splinter through her knee the size of a pencil. Some reports said it was the size of a broom handle, but either way, she had a piece of wood sticking through her leg. Mm. And the hospital in Woodward, of course, was overrun due to the storm and the number of injuries and bodies that were being brought in. So they were prioritizing bed space by injury. Yeah, makes so sense. So if it's severe, mm-hmm. they're giving you a bed in the hospital. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, 
they had makeshift hospitals set up for less injuries, that kind of thing, you know? Yeah. The more severe the injury, the higher the priority. If you had a non-life-threatening injury, you were placed either on the hospital lawn to wait for treatment or in the hospital basement so okay. that the doctors could still get to you pretty quickly, but, you know, gonna, you weren't, yeah. you were... Right. If you were it recovering... It wasn't as dire. Right. And it, but if you were recovering, if they had already treat, treated you, they were moving you to one of the makeshift hospitals where nurses and volunteers were at to take care of you and your recovery. Kind of like a gymnasium that might still be standing right. or something like that. Yep. Okay. So Joan Gay and her sister Jerry were placed in the basement for monitoring and waiting treatment. Olin was actually sent to a makeshift hospital at the Baker Hotel because they had treated him pretty quickly and sent him to recover. So Joan Gay's Aunt Ruth had received word that the girls had actually been orphaned in the tornado. There was a man named Olin Hutchinson who had died in the tornado, but for some reason when the newspapers were sending out their initial lists, they listed Olin Croft by mistake. So Ruth, thinking the girls were alone, went and found them in the hospital basement. And when she found out that Olin was actually alive and recovering, that it was their mom who had passed away, she felt like the girls were being taken care of in the hospital basement and that Olin was would would recover. So they were taken care of. So she went to volunteer at another hospital to help in the aftermath. So okay. she's like, Well, since they are taken care of, I'm gonna I'm gonna help head out and I go can. help where I can. Yeah. Okay. So when their Aunt Ruth returns to the Woodward Hospital the next morning, she found Joan Gay was just gone. Now, mind you, she had laid eyes on both girls, talked to them, checked on them, checked mm-hmm. with nurses, all this stuff, you know. Yeah. Her sister, Jerry, was in tears and told Ruth that two dr- men dressed in khaki uniforms had taken Joan Gay in the middle of the night. They had come to the basement asking for Joan Gay by name and picked her up and carried her off. As they were carrying her away, Joan Gay was crying that she didn't want to leave her sister Nurses in the basement overheard the men trying to comfort her, telling her not to worry about, uh, not to worry, and, and saying that they would come back for Jerry soon. These men told nurses, volunteers, and other staff members that they were going to take Joan Gay to a, a, an Oklahoma City hospital, which was like over 120 miles away. Mm-hmm. Since the Woodward Hospital was overrun, the nurses assumed the men were acting in an official capacity, and they they didn't try to stop them. They They let him take her. So... Ruth called every hospital in Oklahoma City, and she found out that not only did Joan Gay never make it to Oklahoma City, but none of the hospitals were even ever expecting her. No one had, like, there were, this was not an official thing. Yeah. So Ruth began to panic, and she called other hospitals, orphanages, and even morgues, but she couldn't find her anywhere. And that's when they found out that Joan Gay was officially missing. Yeah. So remember that happened on April 9th, and then April 10th, Ruth is is at the hospital and trying to find her niece, right? So the same day, April 10th, the day after the tornado, while Ruth is searching for Joan Gay, search workers and cleanup crews start digging through the rubble of Woodward, Oklahoma, trying to clean up and find other people. In this cleanup and recovery, they found three female children's bodies, which is really sad. One was eight-month-old baby girl. One was a girl between three and five years old, which fits with Joan Gay, right? Yeah. And one was a girl between 10 and 12 years old. No one ever came forward to claim the remains of these deceased girls. Wow. Like, ever. Yeah. They weren't even in a list of missing in children or anything. Town, right. Like somebody? Well, it, this, I'll, I'll get there. Hold on. Oh, wow. 
So police first thought that maybe the girl that was between three and five years old might be Joan Gay because she fit the description. But the family came and insisted that the child was not her. Police took photos and showed them to teachers and neighbors, and everyone said the child in the photos was not Joan Gay. So they had confirmation that this little girl that they thought might be is not her. Right. So they buried these children in Elmwood Cemetery, where they are still today. Mm -hmm. Unidentified tragedies of that day, right? It's believed that those kids may have been taken from another town, swept up into the funnel of the tornado and dropped in Woodward. Yeah, isn't that wild? Because it was such a massive storm. Yeah. Yeah. Which is really crazy sad because, Mm -hmm. I mean, the storm started in like Amarillo, Texas, and then jumped. Yeah. Up, back up into the sky and then back down into Woodward. And right. if you guys look at a map, you'll see it's not far-fetched. But so the search for Joan Gay continued. The highway patrol searched across five states. No luck. Couldn't find her anywhere. They even brought in the FBI to help with the search. Joan Gay's father, Olin, made a complete recovery and joined the search for his daughter. He had posters made, put them up all over town. And he did several radio interviews, which resulted in many calls reporting sightings but all of them ended up being dead ends none of them panned out Mm -hmm. olin said that joan gay was so bashful that she probably wouldn't tell anyone who she was so that was working against them so if someone saw a little girl fitting her description out there and tried to question her she probably wouldn't say who she was Mm. he said she was the type of child who would bury her face to avoid talking to strangers we've all seen this kid who like hides behind mom's legs you know right so she would she would point to one of her trusted adults and they would speak for her. So if uh, someone's like, Oh, who are you? You know, then she would bury her face and yeah. point to which who's, who's going to talk for her, you know? Yeah. So she's very, very shy. And family members said that Joan Gay also had a speech impediment that caused sort of a lisp. Mm-hmm. So this would be a way to identify her if you could get her to talk. Right. right? Yeah. Police first thought maybe this meant that she had told someone her name, but they didn't understand her. But reports said the men who took her away asked for her by name specifically. So there's no way to get mixed up there. They came and asked for her and went straight to her Mm -hmm. in the hospital. So it didn't make sense that this would have happened. This scenario would have happened. She was just she was just 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 gone. Like whoever came for her knew who they were taking. Yeah. So some theories of what happened to her. One theory involved a woman named Georgia Tan who would buy or adopt babies from orphanages and hospitals. Then she would sell them to wealthy people. Though Georgia primarily worked out of Tennessee, there were other child brokers who did similar things in the area, and they targeted children like Joan Gay, pretty quiet, shy, easy-to-manipulate kind of kid. Yeah. Joan Gay was described as being a very beautiful little girl who had great manners, was very well-behaved. So she was like a little gem for these type of people. Okay. However, child brokers didn't typically target children from middle class and wealthy families like the Croft family was considered to be. They usually targeted abandoned or very poor children who wouldn't be missed. Another theory that was disproven was that Olin wanted her gone. He remarried only three months after the tornado happened, which had people raising their eyebrows. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah, even in the 1940s, a three-month courtship is very short. Uh Uh-huh. So his, you remember, his wife died in the tornado. Yeah, that's crazy. So this sparked some rumors and a big scandal, but Olin never stopped searching for Joan Gay. So over time, people dropped this rumor. They, you know, they they raised their eyebrows still at him remarrying so quickly, mm-hmm. 
But he spent his entire life looking for his daughter. He never stopped all the way up to the day he died. Yeah. He kept looking for his daughter. Yeah. So mm. it's very unlikely that he had anything to do with her disappearance. Plus, if you remember, the dude is laid up in a hospital bed. Right. No one knew this tornado was coming. So he could not have possibly planned this. Yeah. So another theory was that John Gay was taken for ransom. Like I said, the Croft family wasn't rich, but they were well off enough that this theory could hold some water. I mean, apparently this family didn't just own ranches in Oklahoma. They also owned a ranch in Missouri and Kansas as well. So they had a lot of property in yeah. different states and, and right. they were they were well off. They just weren't considered to be rich. Mm-hmm. So this theory, though, was actually dis- dismissed. Because, one, both Cleta and Olin were initially listed as killed in the storm. So who would be there to pay a ransom Mm -hmm. if that's what someone was trying to do? Two, if she was taken for a ransom, where would the money come from in the middle of a crisis like that? The town was basically leveled in minutes. It was 1947. So it's not like you can put it on a credit card or a wire transfer like that fast or anything. Yeah. You know, how could he get the cash to pay a ransom sure. during this? Sure. And three, if Joan Gay was kidnapped for a ransom, wouldn't it stand to reason that they would have taken Jerry too? Yeah. Like there there was some thought that Jerry, since she was his stepdaughter, maybe they, you know, he wouldn't have paid for her mm-hmm. like he would his biological child. Mm-hmm. But I don't tend to think that this theory has anything to it because all the other questions I just asked, you yeah. know, like it doesn't make sense in the time and stuff. Plus again, no one knew this storm was coming. It's yeah. not like they were like, Oh, this is the perfect opportunity. You know, right. these, whoever these men were had to have been there during the storm. And, and I don't know, it had to be a split spur of the moment thing. I would think, and who knows, maybe the child people, the, uh, child brokers is what they called them back then. Mm-hmm. Maybe mm-hmm. they thought that she, you know, maybe they thought that Olin was dead too because he was listed as dead at first. So maybe they were like, oh, she is orphaned. Let's take her. No one's going to miss her. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, that one there is a good, still that is a good holds, point. Yeah. So that one to me still holds some truth to it. Like mm-hmm. it, like that could have been very well what happened. Mm-hmm. But let's not forget too, like as far as the ransom and all that, the kidnapping in that way. She was injured. She had a piece of wood, whether it was the size of a pencil or a broomstick. She still had an injury that could have gotten infected. Again, 1947. Mm-hmm. The <laughs> hygiene is not the best, right, right? Right. So without medical intervention, she wasn't going to survive that long um, in captivity. So it doesn't make sense that she was kidnapped for ransom. Yeah. She had to have been taken by someone who was going to get her treatment. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I tend to think she could have been taken by someone who was intending to sell her for a hefty sum and they were going to take care of her injury. So I think she survived. She's probably lived her life somewhere, hopefully happy. Mm -hmm. But the final theory is that she was taken, raped and murdered. However, no unidentified remains of a little girl matching her description were ever found anywhere. So this theory sort of just died out. Yeah. You know, like people's imaginations and stuff go wild and they went there. Right. I mean, it sounds like maybe somebody, they took the opportunity of an event that happened and maybe pounced on it. Yeah. Because they knew kids are there 
you know, in the mayhem and took her. And they had to have known who she was Mm -hmm. because they asked for her by name. Yeah. You know, and they probably said, here's this pretty little four-year-old girl. And she was very pretty. Her pictures online, she Mm -hmm. was just cute. Yeah. Chubby little blonde, blue-eyed girl. Just Mm -hmm. like she, she'd be, and if if she was well-behaved and stuff like everyone says, she'd be the one to take and sell to some family who's looking for a kid. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. So a couple of months after the tornado in June of 1947, a man leaving a bar in a small town called Weed, California, found a little blonde girl by a dumpster. She was severely beaten and was in critical condition. She was blonde. She looked similar to Joan Gay, except that she was just a slight bit smaller in her body type. Mm-hmm. Olin decided not to pursue this lead, and he searched other leads, and this brought up a huge public uproar in Oklahoma. They were like, why are you not going to California to see if that's her? Yeah. But it turned out that this little girl was not Joan Gay. She was a three-year-old abandoned little girl named Mary Jane Medlin. And her story is actually really sad and pretty terrible. But we'll maybe we'll talk about that in another episode okay. in the future. Because when I read about Mary Jane, I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's heartbreaking. Mm, but not, so not the focus of today, Joan Gay is. So the case went cold. She was never found. And many women have over, you know, over the years come forward to claiming to be her. But DNA testing nowadays mm-hmm. show, you know, they compared it to Joan Gay's family. Yeah. Proving that it's these women her. are not her. Okay. She literally disappeared. And if she was raised by someone else, she likely doesn't even know who she is mm-hmm. or was, yeah. you know, or whatever you want to yeah. call it. But a crazy twist is that in April of 1999, a journalist with the Woodward County Journal named Robert E. Lee received an email from a woman who claimed she was Joan Gay. Wow. So Yeah. So now, and of course, like how, how Southern can you get if mm. your name is Robert E. Lee yeah. in, in Oklahoma? <laughs> but anyway, so Robert in the past had written several articles over the years about Joan Gay's disappearance, and he tended to write them in April to like an anniversary thing. Like this little girl went missing in April of 1947. So every April he writes a, a short little blurb about her disappearance, right? And hopes that someone will come forward. So the thing about the email that he received is the person who sent it, signed it, Joan Gay with an E at the end, but Joan Gay's name didn't have an E in it. So he was like, eh, it's probably a yeah scam type scam. thing. Yeah, sure. In the letter, she claimed she had been never been missing, that her family knew where she was the whole time, and that she had been raised essentially in Oklahoma City since like 1956 or something. Mm-hmm. Um, Robert had received correspondence where people were claiming, claiming to be Joan Gay over the years, so he responded and asked for more information. And I'm going to read the email to you that he got back from this person. It said, Mr. Lee... I know this time of year there are many people who crawl out of the woodwork claiming to be the lost girl, but I was never physically lost. My immediate family knew where I was. I just didn't know who I was. Until just recently, I never faced the fact that Cleta Croft, my mother, died upon me. I buried this information deep within my long-term memory and refused to accept. If you want to know the rest, email me. We will arrange to meet in person to discuss the details. I propose we meet at Penn Square for the first meeting. I would like to meet in public, but not publicly and without photos. Please let me know a time and date convenient for you. 
I am on the internet on most Monday, Wednesday, and Friday between 9 and 10.30 a.m. As to compensation, I would prefer none. Yours, Joan Gay Croft. So after this correspondence, Robert did email back with, you know, meet, so trying to stop a meeting and stuff like that. Yeah. And he got nothing else from this person. And s- any emails that he sent actually came back as undeliverable. Like someone had disabled the email address. Oh, wow. Yeah. Weird. Back then, of course, he couldn't trace it. Yeah. Today, it would be pretty easy to trace it to figure out who actually sent it. But nothing ever came out of this. And he still believes it was most likely a hoax. Sure. Which yeah. I tend to think yeah. the same. Yeah. So... Joan Gaycroft, still a mystery. They even aired, and like I said, they aired the, the mystery on Unsolved Mysteries in 1993. And this show spawned over 200 leads, but nothing came of them. She literally Just gone. vanished. Yeah, it's weird. Yes. Poor little girl. Like, honestly, mm-hmm. I pray she had a good life. Yeah. I pray that. That if she got sold, mm-hmm. she was sold to some wealthy family who really just wanted a little girl to raise and that she had a good life somewhere. Yeah. You would it's, definitely hope so. Yeah. Because she would be what? Like in her, she was four years old in 1947. Uh-huh. So she would be close to 80. Yeah. That's wild. So, yeah. 70 something. Still 80 years around old. right now as we speak. Yeah. If she is. Wouldn't that be wild? It would be. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe not even know, just doesn't even know that. Yeah. Part yeah. of her life. Right. Yeah. It's it's crazy. Mm-mm. Yep. Huh. Both her parents, of course, passed away. Her aunt passed away, never knowing what happened to her. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. I'm sad. All right. Well, so let us know what you think. Or if you have any information about Joan Gay Croft, let us know. That would be pretty awesome. Yeah. You can contact us via email at wickednesstruecrime at yahoo.com. You can check us out at our website at wickednesstruecrime and theunknown.com and follow us on Instagram at wickednesstruecrime. Check us out on Anchor at anchor.fm slash wickedness where you can also support us if you feel like it but clicking on that support button. Don't forget to subscribe to our, pod, to our podcast wherever you get your podcast from so you don't miss an episode, and also rate and review us so we can get our podcast out there to more listeners just like you. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode, and we will see you next week. Thanks for listening, and bye. Bye.